First published in 1952, the APGAR score has remained unchanged over 70 years and is entrenched in current obstetrical, pediatric, and neonatal care. The ACOG highlighted the APGAR score in 2015 in its Committee Opinion 644. In that release, the ACOG reminded us that although the APGAR score provides an accepted and super convenient method for reporting the status of the newborn immediately after birth and its response to resuscitation, it has important limitations. First of all, the healthy preterm infant with no signs of asphyxia can receive a low score just because of immaturity. Also, the incidence of low APGAR scores is inversely related to birth weight. And thirdly, a low score cannot predict morbidity or mortality for any individual infant. Most importantly, it's inappropriate to use the APGAR score alone to diagnose asphyxia. It has been previously shown that not all items of the conventional APGAR score carry equal importance. However, Virginia APGAR did not differentially weigh or remove individual items because it was her intention to have a score that was super easy to use and, quote, can be easily determined at the bedside for the care of the infant, end quote. Accordingly, use of the score has been found to have important use limitations across babies whose skin color has more pigmentation, leading to more NICU admissions in some, despite other more objective measures of neonatal status, like umbilical cord gases. As the U.S. and many other countries become more racially and ethnically diverse, embedding skin color scoring into basic data and decisions of health care can actually propagate unintentionally something called, quote, race-based medicine, end quote. In this episode, we're going to take a look at all of the data surrounding the APGAR score and its current controversy that has led some to call the traditional APGAR score antiquated and are calling for a change. Ready? Let's get into the antiquated APGAR score now. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Ruth. I'm Zoraida. And we are Chapa's Angels. And this is Clinical Pearls. All right, podcast family, before we get into the data, I want to give you all a brief disclosure and a little commentary, okay? See, I went back and forth on doing this topic or not. Now, as you all know, the majority of my episodes are very um, application-based, right? Here's how you do an ultrasound. Look for FGR. Here's what placenta lakes uh, means on ultrasound. Uh, In other words, clinical applicability. And that's still the case in this episode because we're going to talk about the clinical application of the APGAR score and why it may be kind of jank. Okay, I'm going to get into that because the APGAR score, like some other tests and tools in medicine, is kind of falling into disfavor. All right. I don't know if APGAR is going to go away, but it may change down the road. This is actually being discussed both within ACOG and the American Academy of Pediatrics um, because it's getting a lot of weird press. All right. But here's why I went back and forth on this. Like I said before in previous podcasts on CBD, I do not okay look for daily things uh, to offend me. Uh, as I've I've said that before, right? That's not my my stance. That's not my perspective. I don't think that's helpful or constructive. However, it is interesting that the use of the original APGAR score uh, is causing some kind of 
commentaries, and they've got data to, to back that up, saying that this is really not uh, medicine equity. All right. Now, medicine equity, I'm going to get into that at the end, how I define that. But the short of it is very easy. It's, it's applying medical principles evenly and equally to everyone. Right? I mean, that's what we do, right? I mean, that's what we should do. And there's a reason that it's not doing that. And that's because, quote, acrocyanosis, end quote, um, which otherwise is, is not really a big deal for uh, pale skin infants, can be difficult to measure in babies that are hyperpigmented. All right. So this is where this is coming in here, that APGAR score may not be legit across all ethnicities. Uh, I mean, shocker. I mean, well, that makes sense, right? I mean, back when Virginia APGAR created the APGAR score in 1952, it was in one predominantly, if not universally, all one patient population. I mean, they were all Caucasians. Uh, over 95% of the babies were Caucasian. And that's just because in the hospital where she worked, in the labor and delivery unit, over 95% of the patients were Caucasian. Um, so let me be very clear. I'm not trying to pick on anyone or anything. Um, but my purpose here at Clinical Pearls is to just let you know what the current data is because I'm going to give you some data that's very, very recent. Once just an EPUB hasn't even come out in print yet, kind of picking on the APGAR score. Now, no, I, I, I am nowhere saying that we should not use the APGAR score and I'm not saying that it's going to go away. I am saying that it may go away in its current form and that a revision may be coming down the road, all right? Now, I can't predict when that will happen or not, but I'm just telling you these conversations are happening right now, and it's not the only tool to do so. Because in this episode, I'm going to touch on the big debacle with BMI and the big fiasco with, uh, with uh, glomerular filtration rates, GFR, that's also under fire, and if you take a look at the history of why GFR actually has a race modifier in it, um, it, it it's kind of sad. It's kind of kind of scary. Uh, and it, it is pretty jank. <laughs> so I, I'm going to get into this in a minute, but we're focusing on the APGAR score. And it, so in my patient population, just for you to know, I think I've said this many, many times, right? Predominantly Hispanic and African-American. Um, and then the next big slice is really Caucasian. And the next is other, and I mean other, like from a variety of places because we live in a university city. Okay. Um, but the APGAR score, if you, if you read the original manuscript, and I'll give you the reference in a minute and I'll post it on our reference list, um, really applied to Caucasian children. And if you think about it, watch this, guys. It's the only medical scoring tool where skin color is evaluated. Now, again, I want to be very clear. I'm not someone to stand up on some kind of soapbox and go, oh, you know, this thing is biased against this person. Now, that's not how, how I deal with my clinical practice. That's not how I teach my medicine and my medical principles. But there is something to that uh, with the APGAR score, all right? So I'm going to get into this and why the APGAR score is kind of falling out of favor. But I just wanted to give you that quick commentary and that quick perspective slash disclosure that I am, I am not in, in the vibe of going, oh, this is probably not treating you know one group better than the other. And we need to take a look at that. I usually don't like to think that way. I like to think that we all treat everyone the same. I mean, that's called equality in medicine. That's medical equity. But the APGAR score, even in 2023, uh, is likely not doing that. And when I give you the data, you're going to see, oh, man, 
um, maybe this isn't the best for everyone and why some are, are calling on a modified app guard. I'll tell you what that is in a moment. All right. Anyway, quick, quick commentary, uh, quick perspective, because I did struggle whether I was going to do this or not. But I, overall, I couldn't really I could not let go of this data because it's something that we really should be thinking every time somebody assigns an app guard score. Developed in 1952 by Dr. Virginia Apgar, then a professor of anesthesiology at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons and director of the OB Anesthesia at Presbyterian Hospital, the Apgar score is used around the world for assessing newborns' health as they take their first few breaths. Despite its incorporation into obstetrics and pediatrics for over 70 years, it has recently fallen into debate. Now, before you think that we could never move away from the APGAR, hold on a minute because things do change. Other landmark tools in medicine are also coming into question, like the BMI. In its recent summer annual meeting, and I mean recent like last month, the AMA voted to adopt a new policy that moves away from using BMI alone as reliance for proving or putting a patient at risk for cardiovascular complications because other markers are better predictors of BMI. In other words, think about this, and I think I've mentioned this before. If you're relatively short but very muscular and stocky, your BMI is super high. That's a red flag. But if you're very tall and lanky but have a lot of abdominal uh, fat deposition, you're still at cardiovascular risk, but your BMI may be okay. So BMI, even though it's been incorporated into mainstream medicine for over 40 years, is also actually not ideal at all. In that report, an AMA subcommittee wrote that BMI does not differentiate between fat and lean mass or account for where that body fat is located. Of course, you know that according to multiple studies, abdominal fat accumulation is much more harmful than fat that accumulates around the thighs or the legs. And another obstetrical formula is also being called into question, the Hadlock. I mean, think about a podcast family, right? We have one standardized graph to plot all the races on in terms of fetal growth. I mean, that's just not realistic. So let me put it to you this way. Our group, okay, our, our, our medical group, has a lot of South and Central American women who are patients. And women from indigenous Peru or Guatemala are maybe five foot tall, all right? So their babies always measure SGA or FGR on the Hadlock graph because that's probably not specific to them. Well, not probably. It's not. <laughs> so you see what I mean? So for the last really 10 years, people are calling for uh, different types of graphs based on ethnicity. Of course, the rebuttal to that is, well, that's not very medical equity either because we're treating people differently based on where they come from uh, to, to relate to a certain kind of graph just for them. To which I say, well, yeah, but at least that's appropriate for them. Um, and th this also ties into the APGAR question because plotting everybody, all the races on one graph, uh, it's just not ideal. So you see what I mean? See how complicated this is? And as the last point to drive this home, there's also renewed criticism on GFR calculations since race is a modifier for GFR's calculation. Now, I'm going to explain this towards the end of the podcast as well, because that history is, is kind of scary and, and it's not even evidence based. It, it's, it's wrong. And so anyway, we'll leave that towards the end. And let's focus now with our current topic, which is the APGAR score. Oh, I didn't want to put this part in here, but... 
if for whatever reason you've never heard of the Apgar score, I've got to define it, all right? I initially had taken this out, and I was told, man, you got to put that in there. What if it's a new graduate or a new NP, uh, a new PA, and they're right? So let me explain briefly what the Apgar score is in case you've never heard of it. Uh, I'm sure you have. The APGAR score is a clinical algorithm that is commonly used for newborns at one in five minutes after birth, mostly to report the status of the newborn immediately after birth and a response to resuscitation if done. Now, the APGAR score can actually be repeated every five minutes, up to around 20 minutes if necessary. The maximum score, of course, for each is a two, so that's 10 total, all right, per each uh, time designation. So each can have a score of between 0, 1, and 2. So maximum of 2, 5 different categories. Then, of course, the maximum is 10. This APGAR score was introduced, as we've already stated, by Virginia APGAR back in 1953. One of the five components is skin color, and that's the focus of our message here and, and of the debate that we're about to get into. So the, here's how you grade for skin color, all right? A score of two if given, is given if the skin is, quote, completely pink, end quote. A score of one is given if the skin is acrocyanotic, so the feet and the hands uh, have a little bit of a bluish tinge on them. And a score of zero is given if the skin is, quote, pale, end quote. Now let's stop there for a minute, because that in of itself, even in a Caucasian baby, uh, is very subjective. I mean, is that acrocyanotic? Is it not? Is it pale? I mean, is, is that pink? So super subjective, okay? When Virginia Apgar developed her score at Baby's Hospital in New York, again, we stated this in the intro, over 90 and some reports say 95% of the patients were white. According to an EPUB from the American Journal of OBGYN, that's not even out yet. The EPUB just came out June of 2023, and I'll put that in our reference list. Quote, the APGAR score is the only clinical algorithm in obstetrics and neonatology that includes skin color as part of its scoring. End quote. Well, I'll take it one step further. It's the only kind of medical scoring tool that uses skin color overall um, because there's much more objective measures uh, than this. Okay. It's this skin color grading that causes difficulty in applying the APGAR score to children that have more pigmentation. The utilization of using skin color to score an individual's physical status and then basing interventions on that score is now being called into question, not just by commentators, but by medical experts as well. There is no commonly used scoring system, again, that uses skin color as part of its scoring. This has clinical implications because low APGAR scores often lead to additional interventions for the neonate, including possible admission to the NICU as part of protocol. And the NICU admissions, of course, disrupts parent and child bonding and is associated with increased maternal stress and depression in both parents. And of course, it's a cost issue. I mean, putting a baby in the NICU because a incorrectly assigned APGAR score is super costly, not just to the parents, but to the system overall. Man, isn't that crazy? Okay, so all of that sounds very theory-like, very opinion-based, if you're like me, you're like, where's the data, brother? I mean, I get that. Show me where, show me the evidence that this doesn't work and be that we're not treating babies the same. Where, where's that data? Well, there is data. Let's start first in 2022 in the online journal Plus Medicine, all right? That's a sister online journal to Plus One. It, of course, carries all major disciplines. I like that. I think we've got something actually published in Plus One a long time ago. 
Anyway, it's in Plus Medicine. Well, researchers found that more African-American infants were assigned low APGAR scores than their counterpart white infants, and that the scores were better at predicting death in the first year of life in white infants compared to black babies. And the reason is because babies already were scored lower just because they were off on the skin color issue, but they weren't really sick. That's why they were not so good at predicting mortality in those infants. Does that make sense? This work, based on a large data set of all births in the U.S. over two years, supported findings from a previous study back in 1990. This one was out of the journal Anesthesia. So let's stop there. You're like, why anesthesia? Why do, what do they care about APGAR scores? Uh, hello, Virginia APGAR, remember? <laughs> she was chief of anesthesiology. She was an anesthesiologist. So they're super interested in that because they're also part of the recess team uh, for a lot of uh, sick babies, uh, not just in the U.S., but internationally as well. Anyway, back in 1990, in that journal, they also found that there was a significant difference between black and white infants' APGAR scores, here's the catch, guys, mainly because of that color category. So in this 2022 publication, the authors found that non-Hispanic black infants had a 1.7 times the odds of being assigned a low APGAR score compared to white infants. And again, the main dropout was that category of skin color. One commentator on this very publication who made his comment on Stat News stated, quote, Perhaps we need something that's more race-adjusted in an APGAR score or a modified APGAR score, end quote. And that commentator's right. This is why people are calling for a change in the traditional APGAR, calling the original, the five components, now antiquated. When we come back, podcast family, let's cover a publication from this year, from February 2023, by Sarah Edwards et al., published in the Gray Journal. Because what they found, again, wow, just pretty eye-opening. Let's cover that next. In February 2023, Sarah Edwards et al. published in the Gray Journal their original research titled, quote, Associations Between Provider-Assigned APGAR Score and Neonatal Race, end quote. Ooh, that's exactly what we're talking about, right? That's why we're bringing this to attention. As the authors state in their introduction, quote, There's not been a study examining the clinical validity of APGAR scores across neonatal race. Therefore, we sought to examine whether neonates are given significantly different APGAR scores, particularly in the color category, depending on their race. They go on to say, We examined APGAR scores alongside umbilical cord blood gases, which can provide a more objective measure of fetal oxygenation. End quote. Ooh, see, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm talking about. We've got other more objective ways to see how the baby is doing. Of course, the problem is until umbilical artery gases are point of care. I mean, it takes a while. You got to run it down to the lab. You got to wait for the result. It's fast, but it's not all that fast. So these authors performed a retrospective cohort study of neonates that were born live births between 23 weeks in zero and more. And it was at one academic urban center from January 1st, 2019 until December 31st, 2019. Total one and five minute APGAR scores and the individual components were compared. 
They found that providers assigned black neonates significantly lower scores at one and five minutes, and the difference remained significant when controlling for numerous clinical factors and when controlling for umbilical artery pH and base deficit. The study demonstrated that these differences in overall score seem to be driven by, guess what, that color category. Ding, ding, ding. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about here. So it's not just an opinion. I mean, there's data to back this up, and we'll get into more in just a minute. So the short of it is, these findings held that despite black neonates presenting with comparable or even better umbilical cord blood gases, they had more sucky APGAR scores. So you're like, well, that sucks. Yeah, especially since you consider that a good percentage of those ended up going to the NICU when their gases were okay. Wait, 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 wait. I have to intervene here for just a moment because I'd be very clear here. No one is saying that these physicians on purpose gave these babies lower scores. Like, oh, that's an African-American baby. I'm going to score them less. No, no, no. That's, um, that's not what I'm talking about. And that's not the vibe of this paper, all right? The vibe of this paper is saying, man, if you use color for for guiding a, a value and it's hard to determine pink if the baby has a lot of pigmentation, that's a defect in the tool. That's all I'm saying, all right? And that's exactly what this paper is saying. It's not on, oh my goodness, look how they treated these black little babies. No, 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 not at all. And so I want to be very clear here. I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't like thinking that. I know that's out there. Guys, I've gotten my share of comments towards me as a half Latino, okay? And I'm like, oh no, you didn't, brother. I mean, I've heard stuff towards me from patients and from some providers. Trust me, I get that. I know that there's stuff out there in the world. I refuse to make that a stumbling block for me because, hey, if somebody doesn't like me because of what either I represent or my background or family lineage, whatever, hey, that's fine. I, I, you're good. I'm good. I'm going to go on my way. I don't have to make you like me. Uh, and that's all right. So I've come to to know that. So I know this stuff is out there because I've seen it and I've been on the reciprocal, on the reciprocal. Oh my God. On the, on the receiving end of that. What, what is a reciprocal? I don't know. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, they're not going to even cut that out. I bet you. I know they're going to leave that in there just to make me irritated. Uh, so I know that that stuff is out there, but that's not what this paper is trying to say, all right? The vibe of this paper is that if you have a tool that's hard to, to interpret because of the skin color of the child, it's not even the skin color. It's even hard to, to interpret if there's a bunch of meconium on the, on the kid or Vernex. How do you do that? And that's even what Virginia Apgar said in her own paper. I'm going to read you that quote at the end. How did I get all worked up? Did you, did you all hear that in my voice? Like I was so good. It was going fine. Then got all revved up. I don't know. All right, let's let me let me take a little pause there and we'll get back to the regular script. Well, somebody has brought me coffee to try to simmer me down and I think it's working. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So I get all worked up. Look, for my medical students, nursing students, for those who work with me, I I I get it. I can get very tightly wound uh, and then something sets me off. Hey, it's better to have some kind of passion and life in you than nothing, all right? That's my justification for that. Anyway, in a recent EPUB commentary on that very article that we discussed from Edwards in February of 2023, and this commentary is also published in AJOG, The Gray Journal. And again, that hasn't even come out yet, but the lead author of that is Grunenbaum, all right? Now, the author's comment that, quote, 
healthcare providers should consider modifying the APGAR score by, here it is y'all, by removing the skin color component so that the APGAR score has a range between 0 and 8 with a maximum score of 8. They go on to say, further research is needed to assess the effects of this change, including whether the current cutoffs for a low APGAR score, which is currently set at less than 7 and less than 4, should remain the same or not, end quote. All right, so again, this is just one commentary from the AJOG that was released as a uh, publication ahead of print from June of 2023, with the lead author being Grandenbaum saying, we need to change the APGAR. Let's just get rid of the color part anyway, because Virginia APGAR didn't even like that to begin with. And I'll give you that quote in the end. That commentary from AJOG that was out as an EPUB, those authors are not new to this discussion, okay? Because that same author and team, that's Amos Grunbaum, also published a separate retrospective study on the exact same subject in January 2023 in the Journal of Perinatal Medicine. Remember I told you that there's some pretty convincing data here. It's not just opinion or somebody kind of being pissy about, oh, you treat this baby different than that one. I mean, there's real data here. Listen to what these authors did. This is kind of cool. Even though this was a retrospective, it was done at a population level and it used data from the National Center for Health Statistics and the Division of Vital Statistics nationally based on their database, right? So this is a reliable source. The authors included only deliveries where the race and Hispanic ethnicity of the father and mother were listed as either black, white, Chinese, or Asian Indian and as Hispanic or Latino origin or other. Now, if you ever notice that, it says Hispanic or Latino. That is, you, people always get confused by that. Let me just give you a little primer here on Latino-ness, all right? So Latino is anything Latin. That's a big box. Hispanic uh, traditionally is those uh, are those of European Spanish descent, all right? So my, my father was half Spanish, so I am Hispanic, of which I am also Latino. Does that make sense? But if you have a Puerto Rican, now they're Latin descent, but they're not Hispanic. Make sense? Well, okay, fine. Anyway, that, just to let you know why they included those two as a separate marker. Mm, the answer is because they should. Anyway, they looked at the proportions of five-minute APGAR scores that were 10 compared among different races and Hispanic ethnicities for six groups, each for mother and father, based on what the races of the parents were, all right? The short of it is, black newborns had less than a 50% chance of having a perfect five-minute APGAR score of 10 when compared to white newborns, and the number was a little bit better for Hispanics, but it also didn't rival that of Caucasians, which means... Again, these poor kids are getting bad grades, if you will, of an APGAR score for something that they can't even control. That's skin color. Oh my gosh, I'm going so off script with this whole episode. I don't know why, but I just have to tell you, um, well, our neonatologist is from Baylor College of Medicine, and he's just awesome. He's great. I mean, beyond the fact that he's just u- uber smart, he's just a nice guy. I mean, he's one of those guys like, oh, I could have a beer with him if he drank beer, but he doesn't. Uh, so anyway, Dr. Getty, he's just fantastic. Um, and and I'll, I, when the first time I got to our institution, I asked him, hey, so Dr. Getty, what's the APGAR score? This is back in 2015. I didn't know this guy from Jack, right? And so he goes, uh, yes. I said, what? Well, no, what's the APGAR score? He goes, yes, there's APGARs. <laughs> 
And I was like, huh? And I knew where he was getting at. His point is an APGAR score. I could tell you seven to nine. Someone's going to tell you later it's eight and ten because there's so much intra-observer variability. And the point is this baby's uh, has no acute distress. There's not any resuscitation. So APGAR is not valid at this point. Uh, and, and he's right and because there's so much intra-observer variability. And one of our labor and delivery nurse managers, I was sharing with her this story just today. Uh, around just after lunch at the hospital, and she said, "Oh, Doctor Chop, I, 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 you won't, you, you won't even believe this, but it's true." And I was on some conference call or some Zoom and talking about APGAR scores, and somebody said, "Oh, I just never give a ten. And so, of course, the the question was, well, "Why don't you give a ten? I mean, if the baby meets hallmarks for ten, you should give it a ten. Like, oh no, no, ten is perfect, and I just I never assigned a ten. Well, now that's your own personal bias uh, and your own mindset affecting the score. I mean, if the baby meets criteria for 10, give it a 10. So do you see how this is not perfect, right? Uh, Having said all that, and despite all those limitations, and despite the fact that it looks like hyperpigmentated babies just don't do well with this color designation, one of the five scores is doesn't perform equally in all children, you can see why people are calling for a change for this. As we get ready to wrap this episode up, I have to be clear, this is not a new concern or only a response or reflection to the current social culture that we find ourselves in, all right? Because Dr. Apgar herself originally admitted that this skin color issue was a big problem, all right? So if you read the original manuscript, she says, look, out of the five components, quote, color is the least important, end quote. It's in her JAMA publication that that was released in 1958, right? So 1953, the APGAR score comes out, uh, and then it, it really got its validation with its bigger cohort in 1958, okay? As stated in her own words, well, in her own text, because I don't know what her words sounded like, but in reading her words, quote, it is by far the most unsatisfactory sign, end quote. Of course, she's referring to skin color at birth. And she goes on to say, quote, the foreign material so often covering the skin of the infant at birth interferes with the interpretation of this sign, as did the inherent pigmentation of the skin of more. Sorry, guys, I have to say this word. It's not mine. This is right. What's in her text? The skin of more colored children, end quote. Boy, does that just Date that texture. What? 1958. Um, wow. I mean, could you imagine writing if I wrote something now and it said, of, you know, of the more colored children? Uh, what the heck? Remember, this is 1958. But again, this is why people are saying, and how has this not changed in 70 years? How are we still doing this? When Virginia Apgar herself said, um, the skin one, I, I'm not really digging. I, I don't really like it, but it's in there. Uh, but I'm going to leave it in there because that's what we included. That's exactly what that publication in 1958 stated. And as a final note, this criticism on the APGAR score is not unique to obstetrics and pediatrics. There's other disciplines that are taking their blows as well, all right? Let me touch base here with you regarding GFR because when I tell you this history and you go, oh man, that's just not good. Okay, well, at least I did. Now, there's been very, very recent reports by medical experts regarding similar issues with GFR because remember, that's a lab calculation. 
Now, you all get this, right? The EGFR helps determine prognosis and treatment, such as when hemodialysis or a transplant can be needed. Since 1999, race has been a variable used in estimating GFR. Current GFR calculations also use a person's age, sex, and serum creatinine levels. Now, the researchers who developed these equations considered that black participants may have higher creatinine levels compared to white study participants because of, quote, more muscle mass, end quote, in African-American individuals. Now, this is despite all the medical evidence saying that there's absolute similar kidney function regardless of race. Yet, because African-Americans were deemed to have, quote, more muscle mass, end quote, and it was never questioned, race found its way into GFR calculations. The researchers proposed that the reasons for their findings were due to black individuals having this increased muscle mass compared to white individuals, and that's why you needed to put that calculation in there. And since people with more muscle mass obviously make more creatinine, they concluded that black patients' GFR scores needed to be adjusted with this race multiplication factor. And so, yep, clinicians have been performing this, quote, race correction, end quote, for more than 20 years, even though there's no biological or physiological premise that says that African-American patients, just by fact of their race, have higher serum creatinines and that they need this race multiplier calculation for their GFR. And, and it's not just that. Remember, AFP also asked for maternal race as well. Um, and I won't even get into that other thing because the original wording on why there was a race input for alpha fetal protein was because, quote, African-American and Hispanic patients or Latino patients um, tended to have a higher BMI uh, and therefore they needed that, that race uh, adjustment. Uh, even though there was no real evidence for that. That's a huge categorization that's made its way into mainstream medicine. Is that crazy or what? So again, I, I really am not the one to go, man, I think, you know, that's just purposely treating someone unfair. I don't think this is purposely being done at all. Uh, I think it was a great intent with terrible implement implementation. I mean, if the intent was, I think we really need to uh, maybe, you know, look at this lab differently to better care for them, uh, though let's do this instead. Uh, it may have been a good idea, but it's a terrible way to implement because none of that was evidence-based. Well, the good news is, is that there's many clinicians and labs already across the country that have stopped using the race multiplier to try to calculate that GFR. All right, podcast family. So in closing, while some can't define what medical equity actually means in practice, I have a super simple, practical, evidence-based description of what medical equity actually is. It is treating everyone from birth to death with the same level of professionalism, care, empathy, and compassion, and applying medical principles equally to all. That's medical equity. That can be hard to do when one of the standardized tools for newborn assessment relies on a child's skin color, which obviously is not the same for all. The use of race in medicine implies that we are physiologically different based on our outward physical characteristics, but this is absolutely not the case. 
This is why the ACOG, for example, now endorses universal hemoglobinopathy screening, which we've also just talked about, rather than a race-based approach. This is how we actually improve medical equity at the bedside. The APGAR score. Some are calling it the antiquated APGAR score. So what's going to happen with this? Is this going to stay? Is this going to be much to do about nothing? And we're all kind of yipping and yapping about it and nothing's going to change? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. I can tell you that this is reaching big levels, both at AAP, ACOG. Um, there's, I know that there's some rumblings about it with um, U.S. Preventive Service Task Force, what the best way to look at the APGAR score is. But all our job is here at Clinical Pearls is to let you know how the evidence is unfolding. And if anything, it gave you something to think about, right? Something that we have done for over 70 years. It's okay. It's all right. Science can take it. It's all right to step back for a moment and just look at it and question it critically. All right, because if something doesn't make sense, maybe it is time to change, especially when Dr. Apgar herself said, nah, I don't like the skin one, but I stuck it in there and we're kind of stuck with it. Even that one she noticed had a lot of limitations. All right, podcast family, as always, we are thankful for you and we're glad you're a part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.